You are listening to Natural Doc Radio with your hosts Herbert R. Slavin, MD, and Janet Cimarelli, licensed nutrition counselor. Hear how you can get and stay healthy without medication. Follow the latest alternative health care news and trends. Educate yourself and avoid the health care hoax. Natural Doc Radio is sponsored by the X39 Patch. Stimulate your own stem cells and let your body heal itself. Get more information at drslavin.com forward slash x39. And now here are your hosts, Dr. Herbert Slavin and Janet Cimarelli. Hi, and welcome once again to Natural Doc Radio, where you can turn for the best information to support your good health. You'll learn about the important news regarding your health and how to separate that positive health supporting information from questionable suggestions out there. You might find out about alternative treatments, a variety of different approaches to keep you healthy, energized, all the systems of your body working well. I'm Janet Cimarelli. I am a licensed nutrition counselor, so I help to sort the diets of my clients out, uh, supporting them with really good food. And I'm here with Dr. Herbert Slavin, who has such a wide variety of the latest innovations in supporting good health. And we're here for the next half hour or so to talk about the best things you can do. Hi, Dr. Slavin. Hi, Janet. Were you falling asleep during that introduction? No. (laughs) No. no, Okay. All All right. So what's on the agenda? Yeah, in discussing what we talk about today, I thought probably the, the, the challenge that faces everybody is how do we motivate people to take better care of their health? Okay, unfortunately, I think sometimes people have to have lost have to get sick first, good huh? health before they're motivated. What do you think? Well, a lot of the patients fall into that category. They went to the traditional doctor, took medication after medication year after year, was not feeling better, and finally they say, well, let me look for a different approach. And it's too bad we've lost sight of what it takes to live a healthy lifestyle. I don't think people really know what that is anymore. I would agree with that statement. I think we are bombarded with all kinds of temptations that certainly do nothing to support our health and surely do a lot to detract from good health. So go back a couple hundred years and think how people lived. I think at that time they lived a healthier lifestyle, although they had more health challenges. Well, um, uh, hygiene might have been more of an issue right, back hygiene then. Hygiene and sanitation. Right. Uh, and what we think of today that we have you know, so many treatments, but we're not treating our bodies the way they're meant to be treated in the first place. So go, going back 300 years ago, people were active because if you weren't active, you, you couldn't provide for yourself. Um uh, People went to sleep when it got dark. 
I'm assuming. In other words, they didn't have the lights on all night. So they, you know, they got up at the sunlight, went to sleep when it got dark. Uh, they, they breathe fresh air. You didn't have all the pollution in the air. That all started with the Industrial Revolution. Their crops were, had to be organic because they didn't have pesticides and all the other chemicals that are used in, in growing crops. Uh, if you could look this up, one billion pounds of pesticides in the, in the United States are dumped into the environment every year. That's got to have a negative impact. Um, all right, 300 years ago, your mode of transportation was a horse or a horse and buggy. Or, or walking. your feet. Right, so you did a lot of walking. <laughs> you were active. What did Abraham Lincoln say? I don't know. Didn't what he have did to walk say? several miles to school or oh. something like that? <laughs> yes. You know, people did that. They They were active all the time. So what we're trying to do is remind people of what's required what your body requires to be healthy. So it's activity. You know, you have to exercise. Nowadays, it's exercise. Years ago, it was just day-to-day living. Right. Well, you know, day-to-day living now, you, you sit on the couch and do everything. So you got to exercise to make up for that. Then you got to pay attention to what you're eating. Again, 300 years ago, they didn't have junk food. They didn't have chemicals in the food. Read the labels. Years ago, you grew your own food. You knew what was there. Nowadays, you know, it's all chemicals with a little food inside. <laughs> so it, it's, with very can, bright, colored, attractive packaging. Right. So you can see all the big changes. Now, the question, too, is uh, they probably had a lot of stress 300 years ago, but we still have stress. We haven't figured out a way to get rid of that. And it, it might be a slightly different type of stress. It might be... Um, dealing with physical stress because their uh, physical workout um, took a lot from them. Um, and they also had um, that psychological, emotional stress about um, what's going to happen tomorrow. And that seems to be probably the most significant stress in modern day lives. So stress was a present Today, as it was 300 years ago, just different reasons for the stress. True. Um, I think also people 300 years ago didn't necessarily have the perspective that things were going to go smoothly. They, they were, uh, potentially, and I'm not sure about this statement, but, uh, potentially expecting ups and downs and learned to deal with it a little bit better than modern day humans. I think, I think we have um, come to expect that our technologies can take care of us, um, that uh, <laughs> the half hour uh, situation comedies on television leading people to believe that Things will resolve quickly, and it isn't always so. So, so if if you think about it, because that's the thing too, people don't think about it. They just go through life really without paying attention. It seems. So, if you took a second to pay attention, 
um, you'd see we're not eating as healthy as we could be or should be. We're definitely not as active as we should be. Probably not getting the amount of sleep that we should be getting. Uh, and then you wonder why we get sick. Those are the things we have control over. Now, there are a lot of things we don't have control over, like we mentioned, the billion pounds of pesticides they dump in the environment. We don't have control over that. Although, if everybody started buying only organically raised produce, you probably could eliminate that as a possibility, too. So, um, we said, all right, um, you have to get sick to realize what you've lost before you become motivated to uh, make healthier decisions. The other thing that comes to mind is you have observed either a close family member or a friend who has been dealing with significant illness and loss of good health in a variety of different areas. And um, maybe that observation has begun the thinking process to um, make some changes. And it's really interesting because there are plenty of pathways that are misguided that don't necessarily lead you to the outcome of, of good health. So you think about this. Okay, well, I I don't want um, to have happened to me what happened to my family member. And I'm going to take better care of myself. I'm going to go see my doctor. And so what's going to happen when I make the appointment, my primary care physician sees me and um, takes a little bit of history from me, my reporting of how, how I feel and what's going on in my life, and then orders some blood tests. Um, Dr. Slavin, when people go and have a typical blood test done, um, are they getting information that will actually lead them to making better health supporting decisions? Usually not. Now, isn't that a shock? You're going to your doctor to protect your health. Well, it's usually not because doctors are trained to prescribe drugs. So right. Blood tests are designed to identify what drugs the patient needs. So you look at your blood sugar. There's a drug for that. You look at your cholesterol, there's a drug for that. You look at, uh, well, there's no test for your blood pressure. You just check your blood pressure. There's a drug for that. Um, whether you have, let's say you have aches and pains, there's no not a blood test specifically for that, but they have drugs for that. Headaches, they have drugs for that. So the whole system is set up to uh, see what drugs we can prescribe for you instead of figuring out how can we modify your lifestyle so that you actually feel better? Okay, but the doctor is telling me I have to change my diet. I have to change my lifestyle. I like my diet. I like my lifestyle. So how's the doctor going to deal with that reply? Which from doctor me? are you referring to? <laughs> 
um, he he's going to tell me that maybe this medication, let's say for um, cholesterol, um, maybe that medication doesn't necessarily have to be a top priority. Maybe I could go away for three months with and and then report back how I have changed my diet. They're supposed to do that. They're supposed to recommend lifestyle changes for three to six months before they resort to a, a drug solution. Uh, that should be drugs should be the solution of last resort, not first resort, unless it's something that can't wait. If your sugar is really high, it can't wait. If your blood pressure is really high, it can't wait. But once you start on medications for those problems, then you could work to correct the problem so you can get off the medication. And see, that's um, some uh, perspective that I talk to people a lot um, about. Uh, it could be cholesterol. It could be blood sugar, blood pressure, or a variety of relatively common situations for um, the, um, the population that the drugs should be in your mind as a bridge that you take care of the problem then and at the time you're using the drug you work on learning all of the things that your body needs to normalize that cholesterol blood pressure blood sugar whatever it may be and then gradually you can come off the drug but very often um here's the nutrition counselor saying this is the bridge and when the patient goes to see their doctor then the doctor says well no you'll be on that for for your whole life mostly in the category of blood pressure uh drugs the patients seem to hear that because the doctor is not trained how to get the patient off the drug they're trained how to put the patient on the drug <laughs> But not take them off the drug. Okay, so does the patient have responsibility in this relationship? Well, like you just said, the doctor tells you, you'll need to take this drug for the rest of your life. The patient may not even be aware that he has an option. Um, we used the term earlier, informed consent. They're not being given information that says if you change your lifestyle, and by that we mean uh, exercise, weight loss, improved eating habits, correct nutritional deficiencies. If you do all that, there's a very high likelihood these problems will resolve themselves. What about when the patient picks up the prescription from the drugstore and it comes with the informed consent kind of information where they're being told all of the things that could possibly happen to them because they're taking this drug. I think we spoke about this briefly last week, how um, if I go back, say, 30 years ago maybe, you never saw a drug commercial on TV. Right. And now you see drug commercials, but the FCC uh, probably, and well, maybe the uh, FDA said, you got to tell the public, though, uh, the bad things associated with those drugs too. And they speak really, really quick at quick, the end and yeah. may, may result in your death. Right. The, yeah, those drugs can all kill you. It says that. I mean, why would anybody want to take a drug before they try all the natural approaches? Because remember one thing. There's no such thing as a drug deficiency. 
Sure. Okay, so um, how can uh, um, someone new to the idea that maybe drugs and chemicals aren't the answer, maybe I need to pay greater attention to my internal environment and that possibly uh, artificial sweeteners, um, uh, highly preserved foods aren't the best thing for my body, where do I go? How do I find out about the right steps to take? I guess you'd have to research it on your own. There's a lot of conflicting and confusing information on that internet. Okay, maybe you have to buy a book on Amazon <laughs> about, you know, uh, or, or, you know what, here's the topic you look for, lifestyles of, not the rich and famous, lifestyles of the hundred-year-olds. Right, the healthy longevity, centenarians. yeah, the centenarians. centenarians. Yeah, you okay. want to see what they're doing. All right. And I'll tell you one big factor, which we haven't mentioned till now, that plays a big role in your health is how you deal with stress. Okay, so um, you might be saying to me that Valium or Xanax or um, some of those pills in that genre are maybe not the best way to deal with stress? True, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what I mean, the, it's... And, and so what came to my mind is what's one of the biggest nutrition deficiencies that most Americans have that could help them a little bit with stress? All right. Your magnesium is common. Uh, I don't know how much of a stress. I'm going to tell you, here's what the one for women. Okay. Progesterone deficiency. Wow. Wow. And think about how many, or here, or for all the women that, might someday listen to this. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll pose this question to you, Janet. Compare, well, you, you feel good all the time, but I was going to say, let's I, use the people you speak to. Okay. Compare how you feel premenopausally versus postmenopausally. Because there is definitely a difference. In how oh, there's feel. A, a huge difference. And that difference is due to a decline in hormones. Okay, now, oh, see, um, postmenopausally speaking, <laughs> um, um, things are working very, very nicely for me. And premenopausally speaking, um, the instability of hormones was an issue, an mm -hmm. issue psychologically, emotionally, physically. The whole range. So, um, and so, so you bring, you bring up a, a good point then. Before we focus on what drug you should take, you should look at a woman's hormone levels. Excellent idea. Pre and post menopause. Doesn't matter what age. Look at their hormone levels and make sure they're where they should be. Because post menopausally, the problem Mostly is low hormone levels. Premenopausally, the problem is usually estrogen dominance. So you you want to look at those things, and they're not looked at. 
Okay, so what's one of the contributing factors to estrogen dominance? It is thyroid insufficiency. And stress. Right. Okay, and I have to say that um, progesterone played an enormous role in achieving balance for me. Now, I think before we, we, we went, we started today's podcast, you wanted to talk about depression a little bit. Absolutely. And we could talk about it briefly in, uh, as to what's, what causes depression. Hormonal imbalances, not just the sex hormones, thyroid hormone as well. What else is, are these hormones associated with your cholesterol levels? Right. Your blood pressure? Yes. Uh, maybe aches and pains? For sure aches and pains. Now. And headaches. Are we getting to see the picture here why the, the hormones are never talked about? They'd rather sell you 10 different drugs to treat 10 different symptoms than resolve your hormonal issues and maybe the symptoms improve on their own. I'm going to go further out on that limb, Dr. Slavin, and I'm going to say there isn't any reasonable reasonable diagnoses for thyroid insufficiency and adrenal insufficiency. And if you solved those two issues for um, both men and women, um, that would essentially negate the medical field because you'd be able to sleep. Your energy would be good. Your digestive system would work. Um, the systems of your body would return to interaction and accomplishing what they need to do for your body. So here's a reminder for uh, our listeners. Uh, Suzanne Summers was the one that brought to the public at large the importance of hormones in her book, Ageless, which I highly recommend. <laughs> and, and what chapter number are you, Dr. Slavin? In 17. That okay, so chapter 17 in Suzanne Summers' book, Ageless. Very important read. So much uh, information is being withheld, or if it's not being withheld, it's being changed. So you're not getting the full story of of what what you should do that's best for your own health, because what you're being told is what's best for the pharmaceutical company. And and there is a, in my chapter in Suzanne Summers' book, I talk about Abraham Flexner, very important person to know about because then you start understanding why the health establishment does things the way they do. Now, granted, they do some things that are really very important, important, very good and necessary, and then they do a lot of things that are not necessary in order to sell drugs. So you have to know, be able to tell the difference and make good decisions. So 
people, women listening to this might think, okay, here's the discussion about estrogen dominance and progesterone and um, saying, but my gynecologist says I need estrogen and these are the medications being suggested to me for my various symptoms. I, I want to be sure to differentiate what we are talking about with regard to hormones um, from pharmaceutically generated hormone uh, offerings that the medical community may have. Um, the different forms of synthetic estrogens um, may address the symptoms you're dealing with, but once again, with that handout, that when you pick up your prescription, be very, very aware of how um, there are expected side effects using those synthetic estrogens. And um, they may be thinking about uh, certain offerings that are being made to them. And I'm thinking about very specifically PremPro. PremPro being um, equine estrogen, which is very similar to human estrogen, but not identical. So it's estrogen derived from horse's urine. Um, and also mixed with that form of estrogen is a synthetic progestin, which has an extreme negative list of possibilities. So be certain when you're um, discussing hormones that um, the category that you're you're discussing is bioidentical critically important that it's bioidentical. Now I have a question, Dr. Slavin. Where are these bioidentical hormones sourced? Well, I think the uh, primary ingredient or the the initial ingredient is yams. And then they manipulate the structure so that molecularly speaking, it's identical. That's what we're talking about. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's, uh, some mainstream doctors say, well, it hasn't been tested by the FDA and where are the studies and this and that. Well, I think we have millions of years, <laughs> years of experience right. with this. These are the hormones women have made premenopausally in large amounts. And that's usually their most uh, healthy years, their most functional years, and they did fine. And after menopause, they notice some changes. Not everybody, but some do. And they also notice when you restore the hormones, they felt better. Mm -hmm. the, the question is, what makes more sense, to restore a hormone identical to what your body made or, or restore a hormone that is artificial to your body, you know, or similar to what your body makes, but not the same? Why would you want to do that when you can imitate your body 100%. Uh, plus, the studies with the artificial hormones show a lot of side effects, which you don't have <clears throat> with the bioidentical hormones when prescribed properly. So, um, now, we don't have time to get into more detail on this because this takes me 
back to how do you prescribe hormones? Because a lot of people now love to use pellets that are implanted. Now, if that's done right, I think it has good potential. Uh, but that's the, that's the key, is it done right. In other words, dosed properly, balanced properly. It's always the key. Administered correctly. So the answer is, if you, if you, now the, uh, one last thing, if you're taking the artificial hormones or the drug company version, you can't do a blood test to measure your hormones because these hormones don't show up on a blood test. The bioidentical hormones do because the blood tests were designed to see them. So if you want to know if potentially any negative effects of estrogen on your body, you have to do a breast thermography because that's the part of the body that's going to be affected in a negative fashion if you're not doing it right. What about bone density loss? Well, you could do bone density. Uh, No, I'm just saying so much affected by imbalance in your hormones. We mentioned that test again, the NTLO-peptide test, which is a urine measurement of bone loss. You don't have to have a a a radiation exposure with a bone density test uh, to get the information you really need. And you definitely don't want to take the drugs that are prescribed based on that test because in order to get you to be abnormal – they compare you to a 25-year-old, so that's a guarantee. Everybody fails that test pretty much. So, you know, little things that you should know. Okay, so while you were speaking, I was paying attention. I was, Dr. Slavin, but I was also thinking of some books that um, possibly people could um, get an introduction into why this subject is so important and would help motivate them to uh, make some changes in their lives. And the outcome is they will feel better for those changes that they're making. So um, the books are old, but Linus Pauling and his information about vitamin C, I think is dramatically inspiring. Um, I think Dr. David Perlmutter and the books that he has on brain chemistry. I think um, that's kind of a fearsome thought, losing your brain activity. That's a, motivating. How about Adele Davis? Okay. Um, and, and that, you know who Adele Davis's sister was? No, I don't. Betty? Ann B. Davis. Oh, okay. Now I know uh, that. Okay. And uh, that was the Brady Bunch housekeeper, right? right? And then before that, she she was on other TV shows. Okay. So, uh, so Adele Davis, Pavo Irola. Oh, um, yes. Ageless medicine or, um, I, can't remember the name of his books, but very basic, basic information. And when you take that information, it is motivating to move you beyond. It's just that we've lost sight of what it is to live healthy um, because of television primarily. <laughs> you watch commercials constantly and they're telling you how to live. But they're, well, they're showing me pizza healthy. commercials, a lot, a lot, a lot of pizza commercials. And I don't even like pizza that much, but I want it after watching television. And 
And so we have uh, reached the end of our Natural Doc Radio podcast. Very happy that you have tuned in to listen to this conversation. And hopefully it has been a motivating conversation. And keep in mind that this podcast is sponsored by the Institute of Advanced Medicine in Lauder Hill, Florida. And you can reach the Institute of Advanced Medicine Monday through Thursday at 954-748-4991. Also, Advanced Medical Testing Center, also in Lauder Hill, Florida, where you can avail yourself of the latest in blood testing technology, the most significant information with regard to tests that give you relevant information regarding the support to your good health. And you can reach the Advanced Medical Testing Center by calling 754-216-2332. And then you might want to visit my website, janazon.com, J-A-N-A-Z-O-N.com, where you can find out about LifeWave X39 patches. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll be back again soon. You have been listening to Natural Doc Radio with your hosts Herbert R. Slavin, MD, and Janet Cimarelli, licensed nutrition counselor. Join them each week as they provide you with invaluable information to help you to get and stay healthy naturally. Natural Doc Radio is sponsored by the X39 patch. Stimulate your own stem cells and let your body heal itself. Get more information at drslavin.com forward slash x39.